So we've got a bit of a cool topic today. We'll Let's... run run one into. Yeah, we're going to talk about separation anxiety, and I feel like this could be a bit of a fun one that goes down a rabbit hole. Yeah, and I hope it leaves everyone. I really want this podcast and the people that listen to it. To... When this podcast finishes, I want them to see it in a completely different way. Okay. Um, so first of all, how would you describe separation anxiety? How would you describe it? What is it? So to me, separation anxiety is those horses that get really uptight when you are trying to do something with them. So, so you're trying to take them away from their friends. So either you're taking them away from their friends to work with them or for a farrier appointment or when you leave them in the paddock and you take their friends away to do stuff with their friends. So they're normally, you're going to, if they're loose, they're going to be pacing and running up and down and calling out. Or if they're tied up, they're going to be pouring and moving around and just getting a little bit upset. Yeah. Okay, cool. Or I suppose people would also describe it when they take their horse and try to ride it in the arena and it just won't concentrate on them. Or it, or when they go and they're trying to work with other horses that, you know, they get very stuck to one horse or they'll get just so worried about what other horses are doing and they can't focus on them, et cetera, that type of thing. You reckon that yeah, would fit into it as well? definitely. And sometimes when you're riding them, they get drawn to one end of the arena where their friends are Yeah, and you can't take them down the other end. Yeah. Um, so how do you think this is, you know, out there in the world seen, a separation? How is it perceived by riders and people that own horses? I think it depends on the person who you like dealing with and their um, experience with it. But I've often heard that um, if you'd never let a young horse learn to have separation anxiety, then they won't have separation anxiety later on. Or if they have separation anxiety, then if we separate them from their paddock mates and put them in a paddock by themselves or with a different group of horses, then that's mm. going to fix it. Yeah, that's so true. People think it's a learnt thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if they, yeah, but they never experience it being triggered. They'll never learn it. And, um, and if we take them away and separate them, that will stop that business from occurring. Yeah, because they see it as, people see it as quite an annoying behaviour, an annoying thing. Well, what I want to do is really want to change people's absolute perception and understanding of what it is. Okay, so what separation anxiety are? It's just a set of symptoms. It's, it's what's known as surface-level symptoms of something that's actually a lot deeper that's happening within the horse, okay? So it's just what you see. It's that you can see the horse become emotionally upset and it yeah. becomes emotionally upset by getting quite frantic, Okay, it's running around, it's pacing, it's trying, trying desperately to get to its herd, it's getting upset because it's all isolated and alone, okay? Um, horses are emotional creatures and they express themselves emotionally. So that horse tells you, and everyone can see it, that horse is upset, it's emotionally upset and it's to do, it's being triggered by the removal of, um, of, of other horses or it being taken away and then you'll see them settle when they get back you know, their friends are back or whatever, they're no longer um, separated. So it can be from being separated from their their horses, um, them being separated or their friends being separated from them. So that's just the surface level symptom. What I want to talk about is the deep cause. So they're just the symptoms, 
at the cause is what I want people to understand. Now, it's been triggered by basically that horse becoming isolated or it, in, it feeling like its environment has completely changed. So it's kind of got a little bit of a two causes because what it is, it's a horse thing, right? Horses are herd animals. And when they're in a herd, they've been, um, you know, evolved to live in herds like naturally. So what you've got to do is you've got to understand that what the deep wiring makes them function, right, has evolved from its, its wildness, okay, from how it's been evolved. And it's still, uh, you know, it's still all that wiring is still inside them, still operating. So what people have to understand that, when horses live in the wild and naturally, they are a herd, okay? They normally live in herd, whether a family herd or bachelor herds or whatever. They rarely choose to ever live alone. They're, they're herd animals. And what happens in, in a herd is that the herd works as one. There's a dynamic that runs through that herd, okay? And so and because they're they're, animal, they're prey animals as well. They've got a system for dealing that, for, for existing and how they operate within the world. And how they operate, they operate as one, you know. They operate as individuals, but they're all, um, they're all connected. And within that, so the herd actually acts as, um, has a function within the emotional regulation of all of the individuals, because if, you know, big herd spread over, over a distance, you know, if one identifies a potential threat, that's going to ripple through the rest, okay? And then if they have to move, they're going to move as a group, okay? So they, they, they are, they're very much connected to each other. And what happens is that some individuals require the herd um, to process the environment more than others. Okay, so when a young horse grows up in a herd, which naturally should happen when that happens, the growing up in that herd teaches the horse a lot. So those young horses get to watch and experience and being part of how the older horses within the herd um, react to their environment. So they learn what is to be worried about, how to navigate something or when they should just run, okay? They learn all that from, from the others, right? Now, the other day on my group, I up a little video. It's a little short video of four horses in a paddock and I drive past in my car, right? Now, the reason why I took that footage, I haven't actually put it up, but I just got people to have a look at it because I thought I'm going to take this footage for one reason. And then when I looked at it, I thought, oh, that's actually a really good example of what I'm talking about right now. Okay. But I also thought, geez, you could talk about this on so many levels. And that's why I popped it up and let people have a look at that little nine seconds of footage and how much really interesting stuff about horses it showed. But what it showed was a little foal, little baby foal, you know, that was probably only, you know, and I drove past in the car and it didn't even flinch <laughs> okay it didn't flinch because its mother didn't flinch okay and the younger horse that was near it did actually as I drove past it did did just cast an eye at the um at the mare with the foal 
just look, he's still cool with this. And the mare with the foal was like, yeah, it's fine, you know. And so the horse just continued to relax. But that was her dynamics. That was a little, it was nine seconds of a beautiful little capture of those horses working out that I was no threat, okay, and especially that young little baby learning that that was nothing to be worried about. So horses have this reliance on each other, the reliance of like something goes on in the environment, okay, look to the others, is everything, should I be worried about this, okay, and then if everyone's okay, all right, I'm okay. All right, so what happens with horses is that they all sit on a spectrum of how, how much they look to other horses to see if they're okay, right? Am I okay? Oh, something's going on there. It's, environment's changed. Something's new in the environment. Should I be? What do you guys reckon? Okay, so some horses need that more than others they sit on a spectrum of where they need others to help them regulate themselves emotionally okay should I be worried about this so they see it they get worried and then they look to others going is this a problem guys and if the other guys say no they go okay cool whereas horses down the other end of the spectrum within a herd they're really good at being able to just whether it's from genetic um, predisposition or just you know, through their time in life, they're the ones that are able to make more decisions about whether things are okay or not. So they are able, instead of looking externally to see what everyone else thinks, they more internally process it and go, nah, it's all right. Okay. So you've got horses on one end of the spectrum that are very drawn and very and need other the other horses or other things in the environment to let them know they're okay. And then there's ones at the other end of the spectrum that are able to do that themselves. Does that make sense? So would you find different breeds would have like different needs of their herds? Like your hotter breeds would be more likely to look to their friends versus your colder breeds not? No, they just how they how that's all how they process it. how they process it and also yeah, okay. and how they um the predisposition of how they tend to defend themselves. Yeah, that's okay. like a different story when it comes to absolutely that. But yes, no. So, so that's why I've got a I've got a really lovely client and friend called Jane, and Jane's got two Brumbies, okay, two Brumbies, Snowy Mountain Brumbies, and they couldn't be more polar opposite than each other. She's got Hope. Now Hope is like whatever, you know. She don't. She's just really like a lovely mare. You can, t- you know. I think on Jane's, Jane hadn't broken her in very long before she took her off to a you know, to a camp with a whole lot of other horses. And Cope was just like, yeah, it's cool. You know, she's uh, this really lovely, easygoing, you know, just takes takes the environment in and uh, she's really calm about things, right? Doesn't yep. care about other horses, you know. It's just Hope, beautiful, beautiful, lovely horse. Okay, then she's got Ebony. And Ebony is just, you know, like, you describe as very needy, has separation anxiety terribly. <laughs> so, you know, and Ebony's worried about everything. You're like, well, and, But not necessarily 100% about the environment but the other horses and what the other horses are doing and, and if Hope's away from her or not and gets really worried. And, you know, she was telling me a story um, just the other day. She went and rode in the indoor where, where we go and meet up and have a clinic and she took both horses in and she tied, she worked both of them. And she tied um, 
Ebony up first of all and worked Hope. And what happened, of course, as soon as she moved Hope away from Ebony, Ebony got agitated, okay? Um, how, you know, but she did a process of just working near her, working Hope near her and then riding Hope a little bit further away and then going back. And by the end of it, Ebony was able to stand there and relax yeah. while she rode the whole way around the arena. However, you know, then she goes, the swaps horses and ties, ties up Hope and Hope couldn't give rats, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that was the difference between the two, right, because and, um, you know, Hope, Hope doesn't care. Hope is able just to take in her environment even when she's kind of sort of isolated and internally process that, okay, whereas Ebony doesn't. Ebony yeah. relies on other horses and therefore other horses she's very dependent on. So you isolate her and she gets very upset, okay? She gets very frantic because she can't process her environment without others. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay? So that's what separation anxiety is, okay? That's what it is. It's revealing those horses that rely on other horses to feel safe. Does that make sense? Because so, they need others to help them out, okay? Can it be taught? No, it's in, well, what it is, okay, there's a few layers to it. First of all, it's believed there's a genetic predisposition because in a herd, when you read the interesting stuff on herd dynamics, and I'm a big fan of Kerry Thomas in the U.S., who writes a lot about herd dynamics. He's got interesting things to say. He's associated with the racehorse industry and he's got really cool things to say about herd dynamics. And within a herd, you don't want everyone just being able to like internally process. <laughs> it's actually within your benefit within a herd to have a range because yeah. you need those ones that are a little bit more, oh, Oh, worried about that. What do you guys think? <laughs> they're like the They're like the high alert. They're like the... They have a, an alert kind of um, role within the herd, right? So you need this variation for the herd to actually really be able to take note of their environment really well. You can't have them all kind of, you know, highly strung and sensitive to it. You know, they'd never be able to like relax and chill. But you need like a range of emotional processing or what Kerry Thomas calls sensory soundness. Yeah. Okay, the more sensory sound. Now, sensory means that they're able to take in things for their environment and process it internally, right? If he can see, if, if the horses, all horses he believes has a degree of sensory unsoundness, some are more unsound than others, right? But, you know, the ones that, uh, that can't, that, that changes in the environment just make them walk and look to others there he considers there's like a what's called like a sensory unsoundness like an inability to process process it themselves does that make yeah. sense yeah yeah okay all right and then you got horses that that can that are more sensory sound that are able to take it in processes and make decisions what it means is that those horses that are not sensory sound that are quite unsound means that they changes in the environment make them flip them kind of into like high levels of high alert and to fear, right? Yeah. Right? Whereas others can look at things, process it more, make more of an assessment and decision and then act on it, okay? So they're able to, their brains just don't go, holy crap, okay? <laughs> they go, okay, they take it in, 
and then they process it and kind of can make more of a uh, – their mind, is, is, as Kerry talks about, their psyche is ahead of their physical reaction. Yeah. Okay. So they're able to control their physical reactions, whereas these other horses that are more sensory unsound need the help of others to do that. Yeah. Okay. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about what makes a horse like this. So first of all, there's a genetic predisposition because within a herd you need a range of this, okay? Evolutionally it makes sense. Um, then we also have – can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, then we have what, the herd, what they've learnt, how that's been brought up, and this is why, okay – Horses that have been born in more of a natural herd environment are more kind of they have a better chance of having good, this good sensory regulation, this this emotional regulation that occurs because they've learnt more from being in the herd. Yeah. Okay. So but when these horses are bred just in small little five acres, you know, with a couple of horses – they don't actually get to um, their learning of their emotional processing can be quite retarded because instead of learning from a herd, they're learning it from just a couple. Yeah. Okay. And these horses can be more prone to suffering from separation anxiety because they haven't had that development in their emotional regulation systems. Yeah. And, you know, this ties back to horseman Martin Black. When, if you've read any of his stuff, he always he, he talks about how he just used to break in ranch horses, you know, very good at it. And then he started taking outside horses in and they were like creatures from another planet, <laughs> okay? Yeah. And they were because like the ranch horses were brought up, you know, they grew up in a herd situation, okay, so they were very emotionally developed whereas he was taking these outside horses that were born and just, you know, and only had a couple of horses to deal with all, you know, on their mother and then weaned and, and separated yeah. for the rest of their life were like basket cases in comparison because their emotional development as a horse within all this emotional pro- processing hadn't been developed. And so they were way more different and difficult to deal with. Okay, so that... So what do you mean by up, different and difficult to deal with they well they're more emotionally charged they're more um they react they 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 get upset more the the separation anxiety is triggered they're they're more impacted by changes in their environment okay um so that that type type of of thing their ability to learn is all a bit warped yeah okay um all those things that happen when you've had a real rich experience field kind of um kind of upbringing when you haven't had that yeah also a lot better with pressure to say of understanding and learning from pressure you know if you've been in a herd you've you've learned a lot about you know um other animals trying to communicate with you in such a way or control or influence your behavior when you've just been popped in you know been isolated and you haven't had anyone try to communicate you with that so much that's a little bit retarded yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so the next um, thing that can happen that determines how well a horse develops this ability to sensory process, this emotional regulation, is through training. Okay. And but also how they're kept and housed and managed. Yeah. Um, because if horses that are kept in environments that are stressful for them, 
stressful for them in times of, um, you know, not keeping in with the um, with the requirements for, a, you know, for a healthy horse. You know, horses need, uh, you know, they're designed to have access to feed 24-7 and to friends and to have this kind of, you know, freedom within themselves, you know, kind of thing of where they choose to eat and people that, you know, where they choose to be and things like that to, for their own comfort okay if they're denied that in some in you know in a way of how they live and they live with this degree of stress or chronic stress in their environment so they're chronically uncomfortable for some reason um, or for multiple reasons that can be compounded that this as well will hamper how well they're able to develop this you know this ability to um, to emotionally regulate and this ability to take in things from their senses and be able to process them. Yeah. So separation anxiety is just a symptom of the horse feeling stressed and or isolated. So two things. So when the horse feels just say threatened or under stressed or, or can't understand something or is uncomfortable doing something, okay, it's going to want to look to the herd to help that, okay, what does that mean? So they get very frantic about one, you know, like they've lost all their communications basically have been able to interpret and, and know what to deal with this particular thing here. But it yeah. is also being triggered because they're isolated from their, their emotional communication network. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so that's what it is. Separation anxiety is just surface-level symptoms of the horse feeling isolated from its emotional comfort zone of, you know, the other horses that help it know when it's under threat or not, okay, and or and or being put in a situation which has, which has stressed it, which it feels uncomfortable about what's happening to it and, um, and, and it has that inbuilt thing of needing needing friends to help process does that make sense yeah so that's what's been happening that's why you can take horses out you take them off property and go to a show or something and they just get all worried about the other horses and stuff like that or going on it's because that massive change of environment has triggered them and they don't have their usual friends to deal with it okay or if something changes in their environment or the worst you know thing we were talking about just on the last podcast about horses that get sold and go to a new home holy dooly now hopefully people can understand by listening about what's happening is 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 how much that horse's life's thrown upside down and into turmoil and the thing that i want to say some horses are better at this than some horses have a natural internal disposition to handle change and handle being by themselves and handle stress better than others okay they can yeah. beat horses at a bit hope is a great example of that okay and while it is is that every horse depends their ability to do that is they can all be helped, absolutely all be helped because what you've got to train the horse to do is you've got to train them to learn, train them to be able to take in that um, what's happening to them in their environment and what's happening to them and teach them how to, um, how to actually process it, how to respond to it, 
Okay, so you've got to teach them how to do it. Then they can pick up that they can actually navigate and they can do it and they're successful at it. And so they learn, they got to learn how to learn, learn how to process. And then the next thing that's got to happen, the next layer, because sometimes this doesn't happen, sometimes people can be very good at teaching a horse how to do something and respond. Okay, but then there'll be a limit to it. And the limit is, which means you have to become the filter for them. So you've got to teach them how to navigate what you want them to do, but then you've got to go the next level and get them actually looking to you as they would to their herd people, okay? So they've got to then help. You then have to become part of their emotional regulation system, and that's what we call connection. Yeah. Okay, connection's just not the horse coming up to you and wanting you to scratch on it. It's no, <laughs> connection is when you can take that horse into changing and different environments or teach them new things and they don't freak out because they look to you. You become the constant in their environment. You take the place of what they use a herd or other horses to do. They and look that- to you. For that, for that extra. And should I be worried about this? No. Yeah. Mum's mum's okay. Okay. Can okay. that be and more than one level. person? Or yes. do most yeah, yeah. horses no, go no. that? It can be okay. more than one person. Um, but that's really and your ability to do that is your actual horses and will be your emotional mirror. Yeah. Okay, and that's why they're so damn good for people with PTSD and and to help and equine-assisted learning and stuff like that because they give you feedback on what you are emotionally inside. Yeah. So what happens is that those people that are more emotionally, they have a better ability to emotionally regulate themselves. Um, they will um, they'll have a greater chance of being able to do this Okay, but horses are fantastic in how, because I wasn't naturally like that, but horses actually taught me a lot about myself to be able to do that and were very healing to say towards me and taught me a lot about that. So horses need to look for that within you. Yeah. And when they find that within you, that's when they latch on, that's when you can feel them, like that's when they connect to you. That's when all those things that all, you know, horsemen and stuff will talk about this thing with connection that's what it is. I remember when it first happened to me and I could feel it. You can actually feel them latch onto you. You can feel it. It's this feeling inside you um, is where they, where they start, you know, using, their, they start being influenced by you. They'll follow you, but then they'll also use you as their filter to the world. Yeah. Okay, so lots of people can get horses to do things and I was able to get horses to do a lot of things and learn and help them out tremendously. Don't get me wrong. And any type of education, teach them how to navigate the world is very good. But when you go that next level, when you can take a horse and you can then go and introduce it to different environments and, and do all these things and it stays with you instead of being overawed by changes in brine, like big competitions or things like that, how it will stay with you. Okay, that's, that's the next level. That's next level stuff in terms of training. But just with your horse, with any, well, you know, anyone just by improving their skills of learning how to help horses learn how to, uh, how you communicate and how they can respond to you and how they can follow you, that has a massive, 
a massive um, effect and positive effect with them of helping them to learn how to basically regulate their emotions to be to improve what Kerry Thomas talks their sensory soundness okay yeah. to navigate what he calls so horses will have sort of potholes within their sensory ability to um, to taking things from their senses and process it okay by teaching them how to navigate teaching them things training them things um, teaching them that they can be successful creating a comfort zone and then stretching it little bit by little bit within it and then you can really open that world up so that horse then can cope with so much by itself yeah okay without having to rely on other horses okay and it relies on you because you become the constant how's that has that super interesting have you been able yeah, to follow me? Yeah, been able to follow but feel like I might have to come back and listen to that again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to say it in a nutshell again just to so um, everyone's clear because it's deep stuff. As I said, it's deep. So you've got to understand that horses are hardwired to be a herd animal, which means they're hardwired to use each other as emotionally as an emotional regulation system are we okay you know are we okay here should we be worried about that okay they use that and then within that so you take horses away from other horses and isolate them that's not what they're designed to do okay you isolate them you take away their m-i-o-k okay system yeah all right but then there's another layer layer to it which goes that within a herd or within horses they sit on a spectrum for how much they rely on other horses to help them deal going on in their environment some horses just need someone to hold their hand all the time going is that okay is this okay over here what about that over there should we be worried about that Whereas other horses are better at going, nah, it's okay. I'm not worried about that. Okay, so that's why you'll get some horses have very bad separation anxiety and others won't. In fact, Kerry Thomas, the guy that I'm talking about, he actually breaks it down. He reckons that about 75% of horses are, are, you know, at being able to, like, handle stuff, okay? 20% are poor. And about 5% are incredibly good. And they're the hope. There's that yeah. horse that you remember that was just like unfazed. <laughs> okay, the unfazed ones. Okay, but 75% fit between average and good. 20% are pretty bad. Because you probably also go, oh, this is one horse and he was goddamn terrible with it. Yeah. Now, and as I said, every single horse can be helped. They can be helped. You've just got to teach them how to do it themselves and then you become what they then look to, that thing, that whole thing, that whole meaning of connection at a high level, not just pat them, okay? It's deeper than that. So look for you to be the filter. So horses experience separation anxiety when you separate them from their friends and they haven't developed that ability to understand, successfully navigate what you want them to do. Um, but also that they, the next level is you might have taught them stuff, but they haven't learned to um, look to you to be the filter 
and something's changing in their environment that triggers them to yeah. worry about what other horse says or they don't feel safe so they need to learn to look to you. Does that make sense? I hope I've been clear because it is deep stuff. It's deep stuff but it is hardwiring inside horses that you have to understand and each horse is an individual and um, they'll, you know, and they'll have varying degrees, as I said, of, of, of just like a natural ability that sits on the spectrum. Yeah. Okay, of that difficult behaviour that can come out that we go and label horrible separation anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So really it's not something that you go about looking at fixing? Um, well, you, well, you don't focus on it when you try to okay. fix it. Okay, it does mean something. Okay, well, you just, well, whenever I work a horse, you pick it up. Okay, I can, you can pick it up. You, can, you pick up who that individual is and how impacted they are by others and, you know, when they're stressed because, you see, when they get stressed and when you introduce them to training or whatever, because that's a stress, that then comes and that triggers it, that can trigger yeah. it because the horse immediately goes, I don't know what's happening to me, what's happening. Friends, what do you all reckon? I've got no friends, okay? And then you guys over there, what's happening to me? You know, so they just go out of the arena and they're going over to their friends, you know. You, you yep. get to see, oh, this horse is going to be, you know, you can see this, you know, you can see, pick up the individual of how how important that is to them or how easy they're flipped into it yep. and that just tells me about the individual and that's important because just say if I've got one of those 20% that is really gets gets really um, worried about that stuff you know that horse is going to need um, that's going to a, a training challenge okay so therefore the more people with that's not going to be good for the you know the you know the the 45 year old um, woman horses for the first time yeah, yeah. You know, someone who's lacking uh, a bit of confidence be, yeah that's not gonna make it or someone that lacks confidence or um or it's their first you know it's their first young horse or something like that it's like oh this is you know you're gonna need not saying they can't do it but they're gonna need a hell of a lot of support and it's going to be tricky and um you know this horse is going to be a little bit more work it's like um jane with ebony and hope okay Jane knows, and her, Ebony's coming along. Gosh, from where she was, you know, a couple of months, she's coming along. It's been great, but she's been hard work. Yeah, you know, it's harder work. Hope um, Ebony's harder work than Hope in that regard. But then Hope has other ta- um, Ebony has other uh, um, strengths. You know, she's more yeah. athletic and stuff than than Hope. So every horse presents you with weaknesses and strength, and sometimes you know the separation anxiety being triggered can be, you know, it's, it's, it is a weakness, but you make that stronger. You just teach them. Whatever a horse is is doing, what do you want them to do and then teach them that. Yep. That's what you do. It's just that some horses are a little bit more. And yep. I will usually know. I'll just tell everyone a little telltale style that I know because I always like assessing horses in the round yard um, because they really get, really just get to know about them as an individual. How do you respond to that? What are you worried about? What gets triggered? You know, et cetera, I'm learning about them. <laughs> I'll always know the horse is, you know, is going to sit on the easier end of the spectrum if they get a little bit worried and then they find a bit of grass and want to eat it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, that's, um, you know, that's interesting. And then it can actually fall back. There's a, there's a term in, in, um, in psychiatry with people that, Whatever soothed you as a child will soothe you as an adult, okay? And whenever I, 
whenever I um, whenever I see a horse chewing on like going and eating some grass or snatching at grass when it gets a little bit when it gets a bit stressed it's like what soothed you as a child was probably food <laughs> you know instead of what soothed you as a child was you know your mother's attention or your attention yeah. of others or you know needing someone to hold your hand you know if you were someone that goes you know would you like a drink of milk yes <laughs> you know it's like okay so those horses that I said the piggy the horses that tend to be a little bit more piggy you know they're the ones that tend to soothe themselves with a bit of food it's like oh they tend to be the ones that sit into that you know most likely into that 75 percent or even into that high five percent yeah it is actually also one of the determinants of top performance horses okay is that ability that's that of their emotional regulation ability is really you know when you get a combination and they say it what makes a true champion you know it's athleticism trainability and heart okay yeah. it's heart this thing here i'm talking about is a determinant of heart and i think that's like that this where the horses sit on how emotionally um you know their, their sensory soundness their ability to emotionally regulate you know when you get that triad that kick in those horse with that natural they got the physical ability they're trainable and then they got this laid on top you know, that combination will make, you know, something really, uh, a horse really great. Very special. Yeah, as long as they're trained well and stuff and they don't get broken. But that's why, you know, those top riders, they go through horse after horse after horse after horse. And what I truly believe is that they're sorting them out until they come across one of these 5%. Yeah. You know, the 5% that actually also have everything else in place. Um, but as I keep saying is you just you come across this this is something that can be the, the horse's ability to emotionally regulate their ability to take this sensory soundness things from their environment and process them you can help them out with that oh my gosh you can help them out with that some horses are going to be a little bit trickier because they're really it's really quite fragile and you've got to do a lot of work and that means you need a lot of expert training or whatever to for it to be kind of smooth sailing um however they all can be helped and most horses fit into that 75% that they're usually quite, you know, average. And normally there's a good chance it's only being triggered because the, the, the horse's environment is stressful and its training's being stressful and yeah. they've got no chance. It's like they're being, as I called in that, I wrote that blog about PTSD in horses, is that they're being chronically traumatised. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. I'm sure if you put one of the 5% in there, they'd just like you put the strongest, you know, the strongest, most stable person in a, in a terrible environment, in a terrible workplace, they're not going to perform. Yeah. So, you know, people that find themselves having separation anxiety horse after separation anxiety horse after separation anxiety horse, maybe you should have a little bit of a look at the skills and what you're doing to these horses. Because those horses are putting up a mirror and telling you about how you're making them emotionally feel because it is us that are in control of their, um, of their emotional stress. It's yeah. us. We're the ones that decided how they're kept, how they're fed, and we're the ones that decide how, what we subject them to. So we're in control of that. It also makes us powerful because we're in control of that. We can help them. But... If we're getting horse after horse or are suffering from it, that's when you go go look in the mirror because the horse is our emotional mirror. Anyway. <laughs> so intriguing. Yeah. But I think we should also say 
although it's symptoms, you've got to be mindful of them as well. And I think we're saying as a farrier, we're just going to touch on if you've got, of course, you've got to work through these horses and make them better, but there's going to be, they're not just going to be better one day, you know, they're going to be, it's some, it's like they're always a work in process as you're, as you're training that aspect and, and helping them develop that. But, you know, you might have a young horse or a new horse arrive that's getting very upset when other horses are a goof away from it. The last thing you need as a farrier is to, um, you know, have to work on a horse that is getting very worried about what its friends are doing. Absolutely. Do you want you to say a little bit about that? Well, yeah. you just want to put, set them up for success. Yeah. If you if they need their friends in while they're getting worked on, then bring their friends in while they're getting worked on. If they're not going to cope with coming out of the paddock, then it might be worth having a conversation with your farrier about can you do them in the paddock? Yeah, That absolutely. doesn't mean that it's acceptable to do that forever and you need to work on it so it doesn't need to be done. Yep. But for a once-off situation to keep everyone safe, it's a really good option. Yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes with training, it's just like if I've got a horse that suffers very badly from separation anxiety or can't think, well, it's pointless triggering it because I'm not going to get any learning taking place, so I'll make sure I start working at near horses. Yeah. So I know I've educate that horse and for that horse to learn. I have to set it up to learn. So that will require that I work that horse close to other horses. As I teach it stuff and as it starts learning and as it starts learning, it can navigate me and it can be successful, I can start stretching that horse away from there. So, you know, I do not do the whole punishment technique thing of, of separation anxiety where you work them hard where it wants to be and then you make let them rest away from it. You know, I, I don't do that. If you if the horse wants to be down that end of the arena where the other horses are, I clap and cheer and go, okay, that's where we start our learning, right here. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it, punishing it, because what can you, and now you see what it is. Punishing that's pretty horrible. And yeah, sure, you can suppress it in it, but you're never going to make you or flip to you. You know, it's not, and it's a brutal way of doing it, and it's unnecessary when you understand what it is. You just got to teach I think them. it's. On, an, on the other hand, though, it's also important to let the horse move their feet. If they need oh. to move their feet and it's a coping mechanism, then we have to let them do that and we're not a- going to stop a- that either. Absolutely. And, and Kerry Thomas actually has a word for, because lots of horses, um, he actually calls these high rev horses. Yep. These horses where their mind goes. And you can look at it in a number of, number of different ways, even breed disposition. feel uncomfortable, they'll want to do something physically express their emotions and sometimes that's move sometimes that's actually stand still depending on the breed okay and yet let them move let them flow because it actually helps their brains okay if they're one of those horses if you've got a um, which kerry thomas causes a high rev horse and you make it stand still it's going to go ballistic okay it's just going to escalate out when they explode out of nowhere but if you just let them keep moving doing figures of eight things like that it just gets their brain their brain and their psyche can become one and then their psyche can dominate their physical expression and be in control of it you control the psyche so then you can end up getting them back with you and control them um other horses they'll um, they'll just need to just stand and take in their environment, feel a bit better, and then they can move, you know. And as, as I said, it's all about understanding that individual. All horses are an individual 
they'll express themselves differently. They'll have different tendencies of how they deal with things. Standing who they are and then learning to work with that to not put them into an overwhelmed state where they'll learn nothing and just experience stress and horribleness that will just taint everything and, and must, muck, muck up your training for a while and make them more complex to have to unpick. It's learning to work with them and understand how to positively influence them and remember that you're just not training them to do physical things. You're training them to emotionally process and regulate stuff. Yeah. Both can be trained. You can grow, you can get them very fit and gymnastic and athletic and you can same thing to their brains. Very cool. Sounds like fun. <laughs> it's very fun. Ed? I think we've covered probably everything. Yeah. It's been a deep topic. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Thank you. There, and we'll yep. talk again. Sounds <laughs> okay. good. No worries, Kat. Bye, Shelley. Bye. Thanks for listening to Candor Therapy. If you enjoyed the episode, please make sure you leave a rating and a review where you're listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, we're at Candor Therapy Podcast. You can find Shelley on Facebook at Dr. Shelley Appleton, Horse Training Coach, or she has a fantastic group called Calm, Willing, Confident Horses, where she's been doing weekly lives. If you'd like to find me on Facebook or Instagram, I'm at Forenza Park. Have an amazing week, guys, and make sure you hug your ponies. <laughs>